0: here in this text, and then kind of just dive into the Scripture this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and uh, I'm going to read verse 35. Paul is speaking here to the Corinthians, and of course the context here uh, has to deal with whether to be married or or remain uh, single, and... Uh, so no one draws any uh, uh, conclusions that are not meant to be drawn. We had a wedding yesterday, and it was a good thing we're not talking about that, all right? Uh, it just happened to be coincidental that the text here uh, is, is talking about uh, marriage, and we're going to dive in here. In verse 35, it says, and, I, and this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Now, let's just read that again. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Now, this is... Uh, the second of two times that this word, distracted, distraction, the English word, is found in your Bible. And, and I've often thought about preaching a sermon here and trying to illustrate the word distracted. But I don't think I need to do that, do I? Uh, how many of us have been distracted this morning already on our way to church? Uh, I mean, there are many, many things that distract us. And what I want us to do is I want, us to, I want to read to you uh, the definition of the word distracted uh, because it has an interesting uh, direction to it uh, that I think will be helpful. The word distraction, out of the Oxford English Dictionary, it says a drawing or being drawn asunder, pulling asunder, Forcible disruption, division, or severance. Now, when you and I think of distraction, we we do not think of the idea of of there being a, um, a forcible disruption, that's what it says here, a, a drawing away, we just think, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got distracted, I, I wasn't paying attention. And, uh, of course, uh, how many of you have seeing people in our wonderful city speeding around, not paying any attention to the speed limit, yakking on their cell phone, spinning around the curve, shifting gears and everything all at the same time, and uh, you almost get run over or someone you see because they're just not paying attention. And uh, so what are we going to do? We're going to make more laws, right? We're going to make it against the law to listen to the radio when you drive. Uh, we're going to make it against the law to eat while you drive. Uh, we're going to make it against it while well, It's already against the law. Talk on the cell phone uh, unless it's hands-free. Uh, how many of you went through this getting the hands-free? Uh, it, at first, it was more distracting to talk on a hands-free cell phone than it was to talk holding the cell phone because you had to get used to all the different things that you had to do to make the dumb hands-free thing work. And the first hands-free, they had this wonderful little cord that was connected to the phone that would tangle in the steering wheel and the turn signal handle and just anything else. I mean, it was not a fun experience. But I want us to concentrate on this idea of being drawn away. That's what distraction is. James chapter... One, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away, distracted, forcibly disrupted. He is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death that's what distraction is and Paul here is is dealing with the context of of marriage and anyone I have a chance to encourage I mean I am a firm believer in marriage but uh, uh, it is better to live your whole life single and be lonely all those years than it is to be married to the wrong person for five minutes. It is better. If you better you you must be careful what you do with your life. There are times when you can make a decision that will change your life forever. Some of you Uh, they're a little older you'll remember a fellow named Art Linkletter anybody remember Art Linkletter he was one of the first great voices against drug use how many know why he had a daughter she was at a party never did drugs in her life took LSD one time walked out a window and killed herself under the influence of drugs That's why he was so outspoken. Because sin, when it is finished, it it brings forth death. We think we can get away with it. We think one time we'll be okay. And, And that's the hook that the devil always uses. And we... Many of you raised your hand. I was distracted on the way. We were drawn away from our thoughts. One of the great struggles that every one of us go through, myself included, probably the biggest struggle of my week, is to make sure that when I come here and stand in this pulpit on Sunday morning, that everything that I am doing is going to be able to draw myself and each one here closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's why we're here this morning. We want to get closer to the Lord, but we have many things working against us to draw us away, to put a division in there, to keep us from thinking the thoughts that we ought to think. Now, not all distractions are Terribly evil. You can be distracted with good things. But once that good thing becomes a distraction, is it a good thing? You see, that's where we get confused. Is in our mind we say, this is not necessarily a bad thing, so it's okay. But when we allow that good thing to become a distraction and it begins to draw us away from the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're in trouble i I just love the idea, I mean, the picture of uh, you know, you get on these big highway systems and you begin to drive. How many of you have ever made a mistake, and you thought you were in the right lane? We had one person visit our church several years ago, and i I gave him directions. And uh, if you've ever gotten directions from me, I, uh, not, I know how to give good directions. And uh, this man was attempting to follow my directions and ended up cro- crossing the George Washington Bridge about four times. Now, I have no idea how he did that. That is literally, well, I can't say it's impossible because he did it. But I I still have no concept how he crossed that bridge, turned around, went back across the bridge, and then realized he was heading the wrong way. But, I mean, there is a feeling. Now, if you've never driven, you don't know this, but, I mean, there is a feeling. As you see the road you want being drawn off in the opposite direction you're going, I mean, your heart just begins to go, no, no! How am I ever going to get turned around? Isn't that the way temptation works? We think we're headed in the right direction. The Bible says every man did that which was wrong in his own eyes, right? No, if you got the real Bible, it says every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You never set out. Oh, well, I shouldn't say never. There are a few real idiots that set out to do wrong. But, uh, I mean, there is no sensible person that sets out to do wrong. No one says, I want to mess up my life. I want it to be the most miserable example of what a human being can make out of their life so I can teach others not to be this way. You ever met anybody like that? If you do... Tell them, come see me. They need a lot of help. Amen. I mean, we we do not set out to do wrong. This thing called distraction and Paul is writing and, and there's many other applications and that's where we're going to spend the main part of our time this morning. And I'll tell you, as we look at this word called distraction, there's one apostle that comes to mind more than anybody else. Anybody guessing? How about Peter? Doesn't, doesn't Peter come to mind? I mean, that that apostle Peter, he just got himself into more trouble and, and he just seemed to be one of those guys. Now, Peter was always out in front. And one of the problems of being out in front is everybody gets to see when you mess up, right? And, and God recorded everything that Peter did so that you and I could see and learn And work on not being so distracted. Amen. Let's turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Now, we're going to see a good thing here. And Peter had uh, a, a good desire. He was doing the right thing the wrong way. Verse 1. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled... Both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. We're going to stop right here. Could we not say that Peter was distracted by the end of this story? He was telling Jesus. You need to leave me alone. You, you don't want me. I am such a mess that you cannot use me. There we have that division, do we not? What would make P- Peter say that to the Lord Jesus? Just, you, you just need to leave me alone. It was Peter's distraction. Now, what was Peter trying to do? He had been fishing all night. Now, I don't know if we have any fishermen here today. I, I like to fish, uh, but my idea of fishing was not what Peter was doing. Peter was earning a living. Is that a bad thing? Should you pay your bills? You, you should pay your bills. You should do an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. You ought to be the best employee your boss has. That's part of the testimony of being a good Christian. Amen? Peter was earning a living. He had a family. By the way, if you're not familiar with the Bible very much, Peter was married. He had a wife. I mean, why else would you put up with a mother-in-law if you didn't have a wife? Amen? Now, I have the world's most wonderful mother-in-law. She was down to visit us this week and... um, just for a little over a day. And, and I enjoy my mother in law. Have to say that in case she gets the tape. No. Uh, no, I do have a wonderful mother in law. But there's a connection there. Amen. Now, Peter was working, he was doing a job, and he was trying to mend his nets and fix everything. It says they've been out working all night. How many of you have ever worked all night and then watched the sun come up the next morning? We have people that have done that. Not too many, but uh, I mean, there's something that happens to you as you watch that sun come up and that realization that you've been up all night where everybody's sleeping starts sinking in. Let me tell you something. If that won't distract you, I don't know anything else that will. I mean, you you are distracted at that point. And uh, as Peter is there uh, trying to get everything finished so he can go home and take a nap, Jesus comes and starts teaching. And then the crowds keep pushing closer and closer and finally Jesus doesn't ask. There's no record of him asking Peter. There's no record of him saying, which one of these boats may I use? He knew which one he wanted. He wanted Peter's. Why? Because Peter was already distracted. Jesus had something he wanted to get a hold of with Peter. You know, God will often come to you when you're already distracted, when you're already distraught, and he'll make things worse. Because... When you're distracted, he has to do a whole lot more to get your attention than he would have to otherwise because you're already allowing yourself to be drawn away. You're already putting that uh, division in there and the gap is getting wider and wider. Jesus had already met with Peter. Peter had already been with Jesus at Cana of Galilee when he did the miracle at the wedding. Jesus had already said, Peter, you follow me. But Peter had some responsibilities, had to take care of his family. And again, that's a good thing. That's a proper thing. That's something that every one of us ought to do. But the gap was widening. Now Peter was tired. He was trying to do his work. And Jesus climbs in Peter's boat and says, thrust out a little from land. Now what did Peter have to do? At least I could listen to him while I'm working. Now I can't even work. All I got to do is listen to Jesus. Doesn't that make sense? If it does, you've been distracted. Amen. Jesus is trying to get his work. I mean, Peter's trying to get his work done. And Jesus is stopping Peter. He is impeding Peter. And now Peter just has to sit in the boat and listen to Jesus. Do you think Peter heard anything Jesus said? No, because the Lord is going to turn up the pressure just a little bit. And by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ did not preach 40-minute sermons. I mean, it was probably going on lunchtime by the time Jesus finished. Peter had been sitting in that boat for hours, getting more and more distracted. Then Jesus says, Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your net. Well, no, that's not what Jesus said. He said, let down the nets, didn't he? Plural. Now Peter's had it. I mean, it's up to, he's just, Lord, this is too much. I've been out working all night. I've been trying to meet my needs. I've been trying to do everything right. He said, but since you're such a nice guy, I'll put one net in the water. And he did. And I think the Lord had a bunch of angels down there just scooping the nets into there with shovels or something. I mean, they were just filling that net full of fish. Peter began pulling and said, Whoa, there goes my mic. Talk about distractions. I think we got it. And um, Peter starts pulling on that net and all of a sudden it's coming back easy. See there, I told you. Poof. And the net begins to break and there's so many fishes and finally Peter looks at Jesus and he said, "Jesus, you're dealing with a lost cause." Now that is the utmost in distraction. How many times have I heard people saying, Oh, God can't save me. He can't deal with me. God doesn't want to work with me. I've tried. Listen, if you've tried Jesus and it doesn't work, you haven't tried the right Jesus. i do this one more time. There we go. And because Jesus always works. Amen. Now, here is the answer to Distraction. The last phrase of verse 10. Look at it with me of Luke chapter 5. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. There's the key for distraction. Amen. You say, but what about... What about Peter having to earn a living and what about his providing for his family if he was following for Jesus? How did that all work? Well, you know, the Bible is strangely silent about that. But I will tell you this, when it came time to pay taxes, how many of you enjoy paying taxes? Good. That's smart. Somebody said, Well, I really don't need my tax cut. I want everyone I can get. Amen. Uh... This idea about supporting his family, Jesus told Peter, he said, go catch a fish, and when you catch the fish, open its mouth and there will be a coin in there and you take the coin and pay the tax collector. Now, do you think if Jesus went to all that trouble to provide for taxes, that Peter's wife and family were sitting there not having anything to eat? Absolutely not. God doesn't spend a lot of time explaining how Peter took care of his family because he's already done it in the Word of God. Matthew chapter 5, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't get caught up in just trying to make ends meet and doing what you think you have to do. If you'll put God first, He'll take care of all that. Amen. It's not a bad thing to pay your bills. It's a good thing. The Bible demands it. But if that's your primary goal in your life, it will be a wedge that will divide between you and Jesus Christ, and you will have to make a choice as to how you're going to work and how you're going to serve the Lord. There's, that is not a true choice, my friend. That is not a biblical choice. You serve God first, and he'll take care of the rest. Don't let that be a distraction. You let God take care of it. I had one person tell me, well, God's not going to rain money. He's not going to send money in the mail to me. I said, well, God doesn't have to do that. And in a period of three or four years, this person received Oh, good night. Close. Well, and it, it, let's stretch it out. It Was probably five to seven years. Received somewhere between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars from different things that happened to them, and they didn't win the lottery either. I mean, these were legitimate, honest ways of obtaining great sums of uh, of cash. Uh, some was uh, inheritance. Some was a gift. Some was this and that. Just different things. Let me tell you. God can take care of you. But if you're going to use that as your final goal in life, I'll promise you, it will stop you from serving God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. How many of you are familiar with the little saying that we use, when it rains, it pours? Hmm? You know what that means? now, How many of you honestly don't know what it means when you say when it rains, it pours? Do we have anybody here that doesn't understand those phrases? I mean, we want to explain it, but when it's bad, then it gets worse. More bad things happen to you. I mean, when, when one bad thing starts to happen, everything comes pouring in on your head. How many of you have ever been there? I mean... You woke up, it was a bad morning, and it just continued to get worse and worse and it became a bad week, a bad month. And then you get up to the point to where you say, I think it's been a bad life. I don't remember when it's been good. Well, let's compare to what happened to Peter here in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 Now, we're going to set the context here. In Mark chapter 6, parallel passage, Jesus had sent the apostles out two by two to travel throughout the land of Israel to preach the gospel. So they had been traveling, preaching, and going back and forth all over the land of Israel in groups of two, and they were just coming back to report to Jesus uh, let me just read verse 31 of Mark chapter 6 before we get into uh, chapter uh, Matthew 14. Just stay where you are. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Have you ever been so busy you couldn't even stop and eat? I mean, you just grab something on the run. And that's not just breakfast. I mean, that's breakfast and lunch and, and, and supper you find eating at your desk or wherever you're working. And, and I mean, it just it just gets overwhelming and, and the things keep piling up. And then on top of that, verse 12, it says here, it says, And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now, that's just a summation there of the story of the death of John the Baptist. Now, if you remember John the Baptist, he was the one that most of Jesus' disciples had been with before they started with Jesus. He was a dear friend of theirs. He was someone they respected. He was the one that baptized all the apostles. I mean, this was just not some uh, acquaintance or some preacher that they'd heard sometime. They knew him. They loved him. He was their friend and their leader at one time. And and so John the Baptist is dead. They have no leisure to so much as to eat. Jesus says, come ye apart into a desert place and rest a while. And then we have the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So there they are. They're thinking they're going to get a rest. And all this great crowd comes and Jesus teaches all day long. And they're going, what kind of vacation is this? This is not even a working vacation. How many of you feel distracted at this point? I mean, uh, that'd be pretty rough. And then Jesus comes to P, to Philip and says, feed them. Now, Philip's about ready to pull out his hair. He says, Lord, we could take a year's wages and not feed these people. Andrew says, Lord, we did, we got a lunch. We got a few sardines and some soda crackers. That's That would be the modern-day equivalent. Sounds like a great lunch, doesn't it? And Jesus took that and fed 5,000 people, men, besides women and children. Who passed out the food, by the way? I think the apostles had to. Who gathered up the fragments? I think the apostles did. Uh, I think Jesus was trying to teach them a lesson. But I, I want you to hear one verse here, and then we'll get into reading. It says, Mark 6.52, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. The disciples were distracted the whole way through the feeding of the 5,000. At the end of the day, as the sun is setting, evening is now past. It's probably 7.30, 8 o'clock, maybe as late. Uh, It's 8.30. Jesus puts him in a boat and says, I want you to get across to the other side. Now, the Sea of Galilee or Sea of Gennesaret is about five to eight miles wide, depending on where you are. If you've ever rowed a canoe or a rowboat or something like that, five miles, uh, you, you understand the definition of strain and toil. I mean, that is not something that's going to happen easily. You're going to have to work at it. Five miles is a very long distance. And it says that they were toiling. In verse, Let's start here in, in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Now, you read the passage there. By the time evening was come, Jesus had sent the multitudes away, filled They had something to eat. The disciples had already been in the boat. Now it was the fourth watch. The fourth watch begins at 3 a.m. They had been all night. I think 3 a.m. qualifies for all night. How about you? Toiling in this boat, and they were only halfway across the sea. Now, if you've ever been on a little mountain lake when the wind blows contrary, I was in a canoe one time with my wife up in the Adirondacks. And uh, we were going across this little lake. It was a couple of miles north to south. I'll tell you, the wind got blowing. And uh, it, it was, it, it got downright scary in that little canoe because every time I tried to paddle this way, the wind was blowing the front of the canoe. I mean, you could have went in circles all day long. And uh, here they were out on this boat. By the way, do you think they had uh, Con Edison or uh, Ever Ready? Uh, Those things hadn't been invented yet. If the wind was blowing, it was probably cloudy. There was very little light. Here they are in the middle of the lake, rowing all night. Maybe there was a little lightning flashing. We don't know, but the, there was enough of something that when Jesus came walking across the water, they saw him. I don't know about you, but I think distraction would be farthest thing from my mind. It's called terror. Uh, I mean, they were screaming for fright. These were grown men, and they they were... Uh, doing everything and it says but straightway Jesus spake unto them and saying, be of good cheer, it is I be not afraid now we know what Peter does next, don't we? How many people know the story from here? It says Lord if it be thou bid me to come on the water Now how many of you how many people in their right mind are going to step out on the boat in total darkness in the middle of the night, two and a half miles from land, in stormy conditions. Tell you, not smart. But Peter was getting the idea here that Jesus was trying to get his attention. Peter got out of the boat. You know, we make a big deal of how Peter began to see the wind and the waves and sunk in the water but I want to make a big deal today is how many of you be willing to get out of the boat? Hmm? I mean, that's why this Peter was here instead of this one that's standing in front of you because I wouldn't have gotten out of the boat. But Peter got out of the boat to walk to Jesus. He got slightly distracted by the winds and the waves. He called out to Jesus. Jesus grabbed his hand. He came back to the boat. I don't believe Jesus carried Peter. I believe Peter walked. But let's read. Jesus got this thing accomplished. Look here in verse 32. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Verse 33. Here's the cure. Then they... That were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. That's the key for distraction. Amen? They were not concerned about the boat. They were not concerned about what was going on around them. They were not concerned about the feeding of the 5,000. They were not concerned about anything that had happened at this point, there was only one thing on their hearts and their minds was the fact that this man Jesus was standing right in front of him and there was no other explanation for the things that had happened to them other than he is the Son of God. And they worshipped him. This idea, we call this our worship service. But we have so many things to keep us from truly worshiping God. That last song, fill all my vision. Let me be full, so consumed with the person of Jesus Christ, I'll tell you what, nothing else matters anymore. We get caught up with the circumstance of life. Sometimes you just get carried with the flow of all the things that are going on around you. And and we wake up in the morning and we say, well, this is what i got to do today. And we go to bed at night knowing that we didn't get done the things that we ought to, but we we just try and we struggle. And we get into the. It's just almost like a mind-numb robot going through the motions. That's where the disciples were. Now, Jesus took them to some pretty extreme measures to get their attention. But I will tell you this you've got to come to the end of yourself before you're willing to find the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you've got to get out of the way. You are your biggest distraction, you are the biggest problem you face. You've got to deal with yourself. And the best way to deal with yourself is just say, shut up and sit over in the corner so I can get close enough to Jesus to figure out what's going on. Amen? That's why Jesus put these men through what he put them through. Because when it was all said and done, they were concerned with only one thing, of a truth thou art the son of God let's just look at one more Um, John chapter 21 we're going to start in John chapter 18 we're just going to work our way through but uh, just turn to John 21 and we'll be there in just a few minutes Verse 10, this is in the garden. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Uh, verse 15, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple verse 16 at the very beginning but Jesus but Peter stood at the door without and then come down to to verse 25 and Simon Peter stood and warmed himself they said therefore unto him art thou not also art, thou, art not thou also one of his disciples he denied it. Said, I am not. That scenario repeated itself three times. Three times Peter denied that night that he even knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 26 75 says, And Peter remembered the words of Jesus which he had said unto him, Before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter got distracted trying to follow Jesus Christ. Now, that sounds very strange, does it not? That Peter was actually trying to follow the Lord. He was trying to be obedient to God, and he got distracted. In fact, he became so far away from Jesus Christ that he even den- he denied that he had ever known Him three times. While Jesus was being nailed to the cross, Peter had crawled into a hole somewhere all by himself, and he was weeping bitterly over the fact that he could not stand up for the Lord that he claimed to love. We get to John chapter twenty-one, verse fifteen. Starts a very famous exchange where uh, Jesus asked Peter three times, "Do you love me more than these?" and and uh, lovest thou me more than these? And, And Peter answers Jesus three times. He said, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee, and I know people love to get caught up in the Greek words and all of those things that are there, but Jesus gave Peter three opportunities to affirm his love just as Peter denied the Lord three times. Jesus also told Peter three times, I want you to feed my lambs, I want you to feed my sheep, want you to feed my sheep. He said, Peter, I got a job for you. I got work for you to do in spite of the fact that you messed up. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Amen? Now, we come down here to verse 18. And the Lord says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, And walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and others shall gird thee and carry thee where thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Now, Peter, he's got it right, and he gets distracted one more time. Verse 20. Then Peter, turning around about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, And what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. There's the answer to the last distraction. Amen. You cannot follow God in your own effort. Yet, how many religions are out there trying to offer some way to heaven by the things that you do? There's as many different religions as there are people to dream up ways to figure this thing out. You can go to the... um, catholic sector and they'll have the seven sacraments by which you can obtain grace to enter into heaven and if you don't do good enough you can go to purgatory now the orthodox say there's no such thing as purgatory so if you don't do good enough by this the sacraments and i don't believe the the orthodox church holds as tightly to seven sacraments as does the catholic church and they're they've got all these different explanations and things that are going on by which you can climb the ladder and yet, if you go to the Protestant churches, most of them will tell you, well, if you'll just do as good as you can, it'll be okay. And then you can go to a different set of churches, and they'll tell you, well, you need to have this experience. If you can speak in tongues, that proves you're on your way to heaven. And then you go to another church, and they or another organization, they say, well, you need to get on your knees and pray five times toward Mecca and make a pilgrimage in your life and do good to other people and murder anybody that goes against your religion, and you can go to heaven. And you go to another religion and they tell you, ah, everything you see is nothing. You've got to think, sit down and think about nothing until everything in you is nothing and then you can become a part of the eternal nothingness. And if you think I'm making this up, I'm not. It's called Buddhism. It's a real religion. It's all about nothing and becoming nothing. I met a man, he said, I've had 10,000 lives and I still haven't become nothing, so I'm trying. I said, don't you think after 10,000 failures you ought to give up and trust Jesus? He said, no. Makes no sense to me. How you can have a religion of 33 million gods believe in one, some, all, or none and still call it a religion sounds more like a fast food restaurant. You can have it your way. Do anything you want and still call it religion. All these things distract us. They drive a wedge. They forcibly separate us from the God of heaven who sent his son here to die for us that we may have eternal life through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And once we get saved, once you pass all of those distractions and get close enough to the Lord to simply call upon Him through faith and have Him save you, then we start getting distracted in our service for the Lord. And we allow things to push us away. The way you can know if something's good, does it draw me closer to the Lord Jesus Christ this book called the Bible or does it push me farther away if it's pushing you farther away even the least little bit of deviation guess what it's a distraction if you've ever done wilderness hiking It's it's an absolute wonderful thing. There are no trails. And by the way, if you're using a GPS, that's not really wilderness hiking, all right? You have to take a compass, look at a topographical map, and set what they call an azimuth or direction. And if you are just two or three degrees off. Now, you got 360 degrees in a circle, so two or three degrees is not a very big difference unless you're trying to hike five miles or ten miles across wilderness because two or three degrees could easily set you so far off that you would never find what you're looking for it's called a distraction you start out at one point and you are forcibly moved by the wrong directions you have chosen until you never get where you had originally intended to go you say that doesn't sound like it's that serious of a problem well How many of you remember the story of a woman pilot named Amelia Earhart? They received radio signals for hours saying, we think we're here, but the radio transmitters that were picking them up were hundreds of miles away. They ran out of fuel somewhere over the ocean. And no one has ever found the plane or a trace. Now, some people say conspiracy. No, stupidity. Just a few degrees off. But when you run out of fuel, let me tell you, you better be ready to meet God. Because they did that day. Now, that's not, say, uh, that's not nice, people say, to talk about such a great aviation hero in such derogatory terms. I'm just trying to be honest today. That's what really happened. They got off. They missed the mark by choices that they made, and they couldn't go back because they didn't know where they were. They were lost. And they paid for it with their lives. And that's the way people live in this sea we call life. They make choices. They are distracted. They are forcibly pulled off onto a path that they never intended to go. And when they finally wake up and realize they're heading the wrong direction, sometimes it's too late. Somebody says, how do you know it's too late with God? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you living? If you have life, it's not too late. If God has given you life, He's given you opportunity to change that direction. You say, well, I don't even know where I am. Well, I'll tell you, if you ever get lost, I mean really lost, out in the wilderness or somewhere, the best thing you can do is stay right where you are. Because if the people who are searching for you, they're moving. And if you're moving, you could actually be moving farther away. If you'll just stay where you are, the best thing you can do is build a signal, fire of some kind or something to let people know where you are. You know, I'm glad God doesn't need to see a signal fire, amen. All he says, whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He knows where you are, even if you don't. He'll save you right today if you'll just stop. Because when you stop moving, you're not getting any farther away, amen. You're not being distracted anymore. He'll find you. He'll save you. He'll put you in the right direction. If you're saved today and you've been distracted in your service for God, maybe circumstances, maybe you're trying to follow God your own way, let me tell you, if you'll just stop, get back close to Jesus, He'll take care of it. When they were in that boat, what did they say? Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. That was the only thing they were thinking about. That's a, that's where you get. That's where you start. You get full of Jesus, and all these other things won't mean anything. You know, we looked at Peter here, and we've criticized him some today. But you know, after Jesus rebuked him that last time in John chapter twenty-one and said, "What is that to thee? Follow thou me," Peter got it, and he just followed Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And we're thankful for this gift that you've given us called prayer. That we can talk directly to you knowing that you hear us. Lord, we're distracted people. We live in a distracted world. I pray that we would just stop. Take these few moments this morning and begin to draw ourselves closer to you. Now, Lord, we can't do that. We have to call upon you and ask you to do the moving. We're so grateful, God, that you're willing to find us anywhere we are and save us in any condition that we might find ourselves in. Lord, we're so glad that your forgiveness does not stop at salvation. But your hand is there to move us and to guide us through this life which we live. We ask that we would allow ourselves to be consumed with your holiness and your goodness. We pray for those that are here today that are unsaved. that they would be able to recognize their wretched condition, that they cannot save themselves, that they are lost on their way to an eternity of judgment. But if they would only stop and call upon you, you would find them and save them. We pray for those who are saved here today that have allowed themselves to be distracted, that they would once again draw close to you and allow themselves to be filled with your presence and just understand that Jesus is all we need. We ask you to work during this time of invitation that we would truly worship you by being obedient to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, Brother Franz, if you'd come and lead us. The hymn of invitation this morning, 292. Just a grand old hymn that says it all. It says, Nothing between my soul and the Savior. As we sing, if you need to come and pray, now is the time. Brother Franz.
1: Nothing between my soul and the Savior of this world still <laughs>
0: Have the piano continue to play. Let's bow our heads where we are. Let's think about the words that were preached today. Think about what God wants to do in your heart and life. And if you need to change the way that you are living, the way that you're going, would you come? Jesus, if you're not saved, would you just stop and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Sing that chorus one more time and then we'll be done. People said, Amen. "Amen." You may be seated. And um, just want to take a moment uh, before the offering and remind you uh, we have Brother uh, Robert Lewis coming with us, uh, coming to be with us. He'll be preaching Thursday night, Friday night. Now this is something that we have not taken time to do much of, and we need to is have a good old fashioned fellowship. And uh, Saturday afternoon, how about we'll get started about 5:30. We'll uh, fire up the grill and uh, have a have a nice cookout. Uh, what we'll do is what we've done in the past that's worked the best is. Uh, uh, I'll go to uh, BJ's like tomorrow, sometime next week, and we'll find out what they have on sale. Uh, and then we'll get like uh, chicken and maybe some pork or beef or whatever and uh, uh, put it on the grill. And if you guys, if, if everyone could bring like the salad and the dessert and the vegetable plates and just uh, whatever you like at a dinner, uh, you bring, the church will provide the meat and the beverage and the table setting. And uh, we'll get started about 5.30, which means if you're bringing food and everything, if you could be here 5.15, something like that. We'll try to have the grill going at 5.30 so that uh, we can start eating before 6 o'clock. Wouldn't that be nice? And uh, once we eat, then we'll have Brother Lewis give us a short message, and we should have everybody on their way home 7, 7.30 at the very latest. And uh, so... Uh, I think that would be uh, a nice, fun time. We won't do our regular visitation Saturday. We'll just—we uh, don't want anyone not having an excuse not to be here for the dinner and, and that Saturday night. And then Brother Lewis will be preaching to us all day Sunday. And uh, just want to encourage you. This is—you're—you're uh, going to get real preaching. Brother Lewis has been in the ministry many years, and uh, he has a unique style. I mean, it's just different and it's good and he also uh on your prayer list you're talk, talking we've we've prayed for the first baptist church in baghdad ever since it was a uh ever since it was started and brother lewis humanly speaking is the man responsible for that church being there and uh he is the one that god has used to train the pastor there and to keep in contact with email and and whatever he can do it it's um uh, somewhat dangerous there in fact one of the men uh, that was helping uh, start that church a pastor from Rhode Island named John Kelly was killed uh, as they were in a car they were just going to go do a little sightseeing and someone followed them and shot the car all up with AK-47s and and um, some of the preachers were slightly wounded and but Pastor Kelly was taken home with the Lord right there in the front seat of that car and uh, if it had not been for the um, actions of the, of the driver all, all four of those preachers uh, would now be in glory but uh, uh, God provided and, and so Brother Lewis has got some compelling testimony he's going to be uh, spending some time telling us about that church in Baghdad and, and showing us the slides and things and I just want to encourage you to be there every night summer's coming summer's full of distractions amen The best way to get undistracted is to get close to the Lord and you be in church Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and all day Sunday. I don't think you'll have a choice, amen? Uh, It'll be good for you. So I want to encourage you to do that. And uh, also just on the calendar coming up, uh, June 10th, that's Saturday afternoon, we're having a baby shower for Maria. Uh, uh, Someone said, what do I get? Well, she's having twins. So just get one of each. Uh, it's one boy and one girl, I think, is what the doctor has told them. And uh, sometimes they're wrong and sometimes they're not. We'll just see. But uh, uh, seeing is believing when babies are born, that's for sure. So, uh, ladies, uh, if you have any questions, see my wife and, and let's uh, have a, a nice uh, shower there. Uh, want the babies to be clean, right? And then on July 4th, Uh, We'll have the Glory Bound Quartet with us from Heartland Baptist Bible College. And uh, we're just going to have another cookout that day. We just need to have some more fellowship uh, as a church. And uh, we're going to try not to get so distracted with the building renovations that we forget about the things we're supposed to be doing, all right? And uh, I I preach the sermons to myself before I come and preach them to you. And so we're going to try to get some more time in for these things. And so I want you to... Make provisions there for that. And then also Memorial Day is a street fair on 30th Avenue, I believe it is. Uh, Ladies, if we could get some extra help manning the street fair and men, uh, I counted up roughly about uh, 800 pieces of carpet that need to be scraped up off the floor in the basement. And uh, if we could get onto that and get that done Monday, oh, it would be a blessing. And so uh, we'll just try to get all of that done, all right? Let's have our ushers come at this time. We'll receive our morning's offering. Dean, would you ask God to bless the offering? Let's stand together. Brother Franz, come and lead us as we're dismissed.
1: 705, if you need the words. (laughs) Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy come, forgive you, take it and where you go.